Welcome to TLG MMA Podcast, episode number 14, with your host, Tyson Lee Griffin, and audio technician extraordinaire, <laughs> JT. What's up, JT? How you doing today? Um, I was feeling a little bit nauseous when I got here. How you feeling now? I'm feeling a lot better. I think those charcoal pills help. Nice. Yeah, I gave JT some activated charcoal from, I guess I'll say the brand, Bulletproof. I was a big Bulletproof follower for a long time. But it's all about money with that company. They sell you so much stuff about their products, but they do have some good stuff. And uh, if you're into biohacking, you can check them out. But activated charcoal is good because it is an adsorber. Um, ironically, it's uh, probably very good for this topic in this episode. On this episode, we're going to get into what I call TLG MMA recovery. And uh, the reason, like I said, being that there's charcoal in these pills, activated charcoal. It's an adsorber to actually, it latches onto toxins that are in your body and then it will pass through your digestive tract and you will poop them out. So whatever's going on that's funky inside your guts, it'll probably try to attach onto them, absorb them, so that way it's stuck in that charcoal and then it passes through versus continuing to leach into your bloodstream through uh, your gut walls and all that stuff. But don't quote me, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a holistic coach so definitely check with your physician before taking any medications for any medical purposes however as JT noted it was effective and it can be effective for a lot of people for any type of gas bloating indigestion upset stomach or whatever um, going on probiotics are also another thing that can be good to help adjust the microbiome in your guts um, these are just some healthy alternatives to Tums I grew up eating Tums all the time and the reason that I believe that this is relative and relevant is because charcoal is something that they give charcoal of something that they give to people that go into the hospital in emergency rooms that have drank in too much or have consumed some sort of toxic substance that needs to get out of their system ASAP. So if anybody's ever been blackout drunk and gotten dragged to the hospital and um, been forced to eat charcoal or drink charcoal, it could make you vomit as well. Um, But these pills aren't intended for that purpose. Um, So sometimes they will, I believe, put it within some water and like charcoal water basically that you're drinking and that can encourage vomiting maybe and sometimes it'll help you vomit up whatever alcohol is in your stomach that hasn't gotten fully into your bloodstream so um, that's just something I've (laughs) you know truth truth be told I have friends in high school that um, that had that happen (laughs) and uh one of my best friends, man, one of my, you know, just, just saying like it is, we're keeping it real here. One of my, my drinking buddies from high school, 
he went to the emergency room and I'm not going to try to say the number that the blood alcohol level was, but basically the doctor looked at this kid and based on his weight and height and like he looked at him and said, I have no idea how you're talking to me right now. This kid was just, you know, unfortunately alcohol is in his family and he's just good at drinking. It was the first place that I ever did, uh, and they called it the Century Club, where you like take like a hundred shots in a, was it a shot every minute? A shot of beer every minute? It's beer, so I think you're safe. But shot of beer every minute on the minute for a hundred minutes. And so it adds up. You think, oh, no problem. Uh, right? But it's 100 ounces, now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah, right? right? And if you're pouring them heavy, so it's like 240s, right? It's just... Um, and I'm not saying this to brag, to be honest. I'm, I've learned... I'm just sharing to try to put perspective in that I'm speaking from a little bit of experience. I learned about drinking at a way too young of age, in, from my opinion. And the reason that it became a problem with me is because I was open to it. As Gabor Mate says, a lot of addictions, or almost all addictions from his perspective, are rooted in trauma. So instead of focusing on why the alcohol, or why whatever it is that is your poison or your weakness that you're unhealthily attached to, that's my holistic definition of addiction, is anything that you're unhealthily attached to that causes you to move away from love. So if you have anything in your life that you will pull you away from love, and love usually is, is connection. So things that will divide you from your friends, your family, um, or whatever it may be. Um, and now based on some of these books here, um, addiction has a spectrum. So... That's why I use my term. Anything that you decide or you consider is an unhealthy relationship for you. And that, you know, takes some honesty. That is kind of step number one. I realize that there's not a book here in this stack that I need. And can you hand me that book, JT? I think it's under that blue one. I believe that is... Addiction and Grace, Love and Spirituality and the Healing of Addictions by Gerald G. May, M.D. And this book explains the concept exactly of, of Gabor Mate's that all addictions are rooted in trauma. And basically in this book explains how we have... An experience that causes us to repress and deny our desire for love and connection. So, unfortunately, people can deny and repress the desire for love and connection because that very love and connection was what led to them being wounded in the first place. So people unconsciously can move away from love, or as I like to say, they create unhealthy relationships or unhealthy attachments 
to person, places, or things throughout their life. And I believe alcohol specifically and pharmaceutical drugs lead to a lot of abuse, a lot of sexual, physical, mental, and emotional abuse from parents to family members to co-workers to you name it. Um, if you're paying attention and watching, a uh, very current topic right now, Will Smith smacking Chris Rock. I have a strong suspicion that there was alcohol consumed by Will Smith that night and or some pharmaceutical drugs. If he would have been able to stay in a place of love and connection, he would have not done what he did to Chris Rock. Now, let's say I'm wrong and that Will Smith had zero toxins floating in his system. Let's say he tested clean if he got tested in that moment. That's where we have to understand that there are things that are not chemical addictions. It could be a psychological addiction. Psychological addiction to what I believe, power. Mental state of feeling in power, in control. And I'm not going to necessarily break that down anymore because I don't know. I'm not one of his, I'm not, you know, Will Smith's coach. I don't really know much about him personally. Other than what's out there in the public. Um, and again, it's more so about what the individual is focused on that's unhealthy for them. So again, this is just an example, I think, of alcohol and, uh, you know, abuse being in the workplace. I personally know somebody who was attacked by a coworker during a work event that was off-site. Somebody that was sober for a long time decided to drink that night was a former wrestler and in my opinion I have a very respectful and honest one but again alcohol is a hell of a drug man it can detach your feelings and when we're numb we don't have we don't understand what we're doing to other people but yeah um, let's just say that person got attacked by the co-worker literally almost got drowned and was not a very healthy environment and thanks to the way HR protects corporations and not people it wasn't uh, it wasn't very nice what I heard that how that all played out and I'm probably saying more than I should but it is what it is and they actually took some money to be quiet so yeah right but it is what it is um, yeah, so moving on, alcohol leads to a lot of abuse and violence. Um, I mean, you look at the bar scenes, it's just, it's, it's just ridiculous, you know? And, uh, so yeah, just building healthy relationships and speaking of bar scenes, what just came up in me was there was a period of my life where I was, you know, not in a really good place, not that healthy and was still drinking alcohol and just, you know, Still very attached to things like sex and, you know, you name it. Um, I probably had a challenging experience with it. I shouldn't say you name it. I've had a challenging experience with it. But as far as whether it's substance, activities, or mental states, 
I've gone across the board of the spectrum when it comes to having unhealthy attachment or, or what might be considered addiction. Just like in here, um, he explains that it can be like a personality state. Like I could have had an unhealthy attachment to being a fighter, right? And that caused me to move away from my family, you know, physically, mentally, or whatever, right? So that can be an example right there. Um, so, but again, back to the this time in my life, I was in a kind of unhealthy place and I was uh, on Tinder and like, you know, I was talking with this girl sort of on and off who was like, she was like this bigger buff looking bodybuilder girl and like, I didn't, uh, I never had visited, like, you know, like met up with her in person or anything. And long story short, she was out at some bar one night and like hits me up like, hey, come out and have a drink or whatever. And it was like really weird and random timing, you know. And I didn't listen to my instincts that said don't go. Um, that's part of the thing that I'm going to help teach people. Learn how to build a relationship with your intuition, your instincts that say, hey, don't go there. This is weird. This is out of place. This is out of character for this relationship. And which was true. Like we were talking on Tinder, but we were never actually like, you know, meeting up. Um, so random past midnight getting invited to go to a bar, not the healthiest uh, situation to go into. And part of me was just in a place of whatever, I don't care. I'm like, I was like in a time in my life where I was just saying yes to everything. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to experience shit. And uh, so I went out. And I was kind of wondering why I got invited in the first place. You know, of course, part of my ego is like, oh, yeah, maybe she wants to hook up, right? But then I realized pretty quickly when I get there what's going on. And she knew I was a fighter. And there were some guys at the bar, I think, that were trying to hit on her. And, like, she was annoyed by them. And she was going to try to use me to, you know, get in the be the middleman like somehow get in a fight and probably think I'm gonna beat them up or I don't know what the fuck I don't know what she was thinking now you know I tried to I tried to think too much about what people or what their motives were but again that was what I was thinking back then you know I'm like oh man this is what's going on she was trying to get me to fight with these guys and she knew the owner of the bar um, and then the bar closed down these guys are trying to hang out still, finish their drink. They're arguing with the bar owner. Like, oh, I want to finish my drink. Fuck this. I'll pay for my drink. All this shit. And because of the timing of the situation, I'd, I maybe had a sip of a drink or something. Like, I didn't, I wasn't into drinking in that moment. I was just into, like, figuring out what was going on and why I got invited here type of thing. And then, uh, which, oh, that reminds me of another story. <laughs> oh, man, that's gonna, this is going to get interesting. Um, so long, long story short on that, the bartender literally pushes these guys out of the bar, like physically tries to like start a fight with them. He's an older guy. These guys don't try to fight him. They start talking shit to me. And uh, then I think everything's cool. The, they close the doors, so we're like the only ones in the bar. Just me, the owner, and this, this chick or whatever. And then the owner starts talking about how he's got some DMT. And I heard... That came out of nowhere. Yeah, buddy. I told you the story was going to get interesting. <laughs> and uh, he was talking about some DMT and at this time in my life I had heard about it on the Joe Rogan experience and I was like I had heard that you can control it right it was something that you could control so that was like the only real reason that I was interested in maybe going right so the owner said he's got some DMT if I want to smoke it they're going to go to you know uh, they're going to go smoke some DMT or whatever and I think they're going to go to the they go to the chick's house or whatever. I think that's where we're at. And 
long story short, he like, he's like, oh, I only got this pipe. And he pulls out this pipe that it looks like a straight crack pipe, bro. I'm just like, I'm not smoking out of that shit. And she's like, oh, we can go to my house. I got a weed pipe. I'm like, okay. Now I'm back in. Cause I was back. I was about to be out. I'm like, I am not that interested in doing DMT to like accidentally smoke some fucking rocks or some crack right. or anything that I didn't smoke on purpose. Um, I ain't gonna lie. When I was younger, I smoked some fucking laced weed. You know, I was laced with coke, but I didn't know it. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm gonna avoid everything I can if I know it. So we end up going to her house. There's a weed pipe. I feel a little bit safer, of course, until the powder comes out and it looks like fucking you know, you know coke or something i don't know i don't know i just gotta trust that this guy's telling me the truth and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna die right now so me being me i'm like i'm not doing this shit first so you know you guys can go ahead and smoke it and if i'm in my mind i'm like well if they don't die then i'll try it right i think there was like two couches um and i'm on one couch or maybe there's like two couches and a chair but either way we were all like kind of separate but you know in a living room together and you know then he smokes it first then she smokes it and they're just like laying out relaxed and I'm like and they handed it to me and I'm like they're laid out relaxed I'm sitting there holding this thing and I'm like they're not dying they're not convulsing right <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of Pulp Fiction and shit you know what I'm saying I got all these I got all these images in my head from my conditioning things I've seen growing up or whatever and uh, they're not convulsing or anything. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna take take a little toke, and took a little toke of it. And I'm like, close my eyes. And as soon as I close my eyes, it reminded me of Star Trek. And like, they they would say like, all right, warp speed or whatever, right? And they fucking everything was black, and there was like some sort of like you know like kind of like stars, and. I, cl- I close my eyes and I feel like I just went on warp speed like everything starts rushing by me and I'm just like vroom, like going somewhere and I'm like whoa whoa and then I open my eyes and I'm like oh I'm in the room I'm like oh. I was like holy shit I'm like they were right you can control this trip so then I go close my eyes again and I'm fucking warp speed again and I'm like oh I'm like oh not here not in this environment not, I don't know these people. I'm like, oh man, like, I think maybe I try it again. You know, I'm like, I'm like, nope, nope, not not around these people. I'm like, nope. I want to try this again maybe one day, but not around these people. This is just a little bit too sketchy for me. And then they ended up coming to and chilling, and then I went home. But that was my first and only experience with DMT. Um, apparently, they say it's a really good healing medicine if done in the right environment. And part of me has been really interested in doing it again in a healthier environment. But for me, the medicine I've been using for my healing has been cannabis. And that's, I've got, you know, that under my belt as far as studying under the Czech Institute, the Healing Herb Program. I've got a lot of other things I've studied and the ways I've used cannabis and referenced my friend Kyle Kingsbury, if you're familiar with his podcast. Me and him talked a bunch many years ago uh, kind of grilling him and drilling him on the different uses of plant medicine as far as psilocybin and cannabis the difference between recreational and medicinal and from a simple perspective I, I like to say if you're using cannabis I mean from the Tommy Chong perspective 
if you're using cannabis at all, it's medicine. And I think that one could say that. But also, if you're using the medicine incorrectly, then maybe you're not using it as medicine, and maybe you are using it recreationally. It doesn't mean it's necessarily a problem for you. It just might be recreational for you and not an intentional medicine. Maybe it's an un- unintentional medicine you know, for you. Paul Check likes to say there's no bad medicine. There's just poorly prescribed medicine. So cannabis is not the perfect medicine for everybody. However, and, and the, re- the people that cannabis is not a good medicine for are people that have family history of schizophrenia or like serious mental issues. And the cannabis that's really risky for those people to consume is sativa. Sativa is more linked to psychosis and activity in the mind. So indica is what I believe is good for healing. Indica helps you go in. I think we need to go in to heal. And um, that's just my perspective, my opinion, and what and how I use cannabis. More indica-based stuff to go in and heal the mind, the body. Um, Doing a lot of self-massage. The, one of the biggest nerves impacted by trauma is the vagus nerve that runs up and down your body. I mean, it literally can wow, fold you over in half. And so, yeah, just learning to massage and open that up. The upper abs and solar plexus is a very common area for tension for people that have had challenging issues with relationships and abandonment. So, yeah, I feel like I went on a long-ass rant, and it's okay because it was some good information. Good story, um, too. Yeah, a good story. I was, oh, yeah, I was telling a story. Yeah, we were telling a story about uh, all that good stuff. That was a very interesting night. So I guess Tinder's not Tinder's not only for hooking up, man. You know, next thing you know, you're fucking doing DMT, bro. Like, oh, yeah. So sometimes in life, you can't just go out in places looking to hook up and get sex, even though maybe that was part of my young, silly-ass brain. But part of my other brain just wanted to go explore life. And say yes. But be careful saying yes to everything. Um, I guess part of that story I didn't mention is when we were leaving to go to their house, in the parking lot was that guy waiting to try to fight. And it was really funny, actually, because he tried to get in my face and talk shit about how he was going to fight me and how I needed to learn to control my girl. And I, I started laughing so hard. I said, hey, bro, that ain't my girl. And then she literally was trying to fight him. <laughs> and so he went from like being tough guy trying to fight me. And I was like, yo, bro, hey, my girl. I was like, if you got a problem with me, that's a whole other situation. Like, it is, it is what it is. Like, if someone wants to swing on me, hey, bro, like, you do what you got to do. But don't make it about this girl. This ain't my girl. And then she, because he like started acting a little bit like less tough then. She like saw the body language, I think, and then took advantage. So then she starts acting all crazy. I'll fight you, motherfucker. And like starts running, getting in his face and shit. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, I'm like, is she really like trying to get hit right now to like make me have to fight? I'm like, what is going on? But luckily he was a real man and he wasn't going to put his hands on a woman. I think he was just upset that he got like kind of physically roughed up by the bartender and like pushed and shoved and like disrespected, you know, like he was like, I ain't going to whoop an old man's ass. I'm not going to whoop a fucking girl's ass, but I'm going to fight this dude. Right. And, uh, and then I think just looking in my eyes and realizing that 
I wasn't the kind of person to be fighting, and I was actually sober. So he recognized probably that it wasn't going to be a fun ride for him. He had a friend there too. I would probably whip both their asses. Like I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not even like being cocky or anything. But they were just drunk, and you know, like I saw the situation. I didn't feel like uncomfortable. Like it was just awkward, you know. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it was funny because it turned on him. He like started acting tough, and then he literally had to like back down to her. He's like, "Oh man, quit! Stop trying to fight me!" Like he like, it was hilarious how he like went from big bad drunk tough guy to like just so defeated little kid because he didn't get to like you know get a little tussle or whatever he wanted anyway you know um, alright enough about that story so did I start reading up here from that not yet okay so that was before we started recording <laughs> see my brain got messed up man I can't be reading too much of my stuff before this recording <laughs> alright so back to where we were at Back to my feeling, my feeling, I'm over here thinking too much, feelings of sharing, sharing my experiences with unhealthy relationships based on unhealthy conditioning. A lot of times that happened in childhood. It could happen in adulthood. You know, you can get attacked by a coworker, you can get attacked by your family shit. You know, anything can happen anytime, unfortunately. So... I'm just going to share what I've got written down if somebody's going to ask me, what is TLGMA recovery? What does holistic recovery mean to you? And I would say this. Holistic recovery for unhealthy conditioning. We will learn to tell the truth from a place of love for yourself and others to be able to grow mindfully using movement as a spiritual practice to create human art. And what do I mean by spiritual practice and human art? Using movement as a spiritual practice, meaning connect, spiritual basically means connection to the greater whole, right? We're using movement, exercise, how we live our life, whatever it is, using it to stay connected to the greater whole, understanding your purpose, right? Why do we use movement? How do we use movement? What's it going to do for me? What's it going to do for my family? What's it going to do for the world, you know? For me, I use movement as a spiritual practice. I use martial arts, right? I stay connected to the greater whole through martial arts because martial arts has been practiced for an eternity. So every time I do a punch, I'm literally staying connected to everybody that's ever done a punch in the existence of this earth, right? Oh, wow. So if we actually are mindful with our movement and use movement as a form of meditation and a form of spirituality, right? Every time I chop wood, I'm chopping wood just like every fucking legend and lumberjacker that chopped wood i'm staying connected to them right i think that's why things like yoga and all these things are so popular because there's so much energy around these practices um someone's at the door so we gotta take a pause and we're back um just a little interruption from my neighbor my neighbor works over at some warehouse and he was telling me how he's got a 50 gallon big old can for me for burning stuff in so i'm gonna be taking that up to the ranch and uh yeah i'm gonna create tlg mma recovery ranch where i plan to help share and educate people on how they can recover from unhealthy conditioning and break free from what is referred to as addiction and it will not be a medical recovery ranch. It will be, like I said, a holistic recovery ranch. So this 
you know, there are some things that you do have to recover from with medical assistance. Believe it or not, alcohol can be one of those things if you are, you know, chemically attached. But maybe you're on the road of recovery and you've gotten break free of the chemicalness and you want to just maintain that recovery and are looking for a holistic way to do that, then this might be for you. If you're interested in breaking free from those unhealthy conditioning and not interested in a disease model that might push you towards prescription drugs, push you towards antidepressants, push you towards any type of meds, then this might be for you. So again, Holistic Recovery Ranch, you know, the basic premise is to build healthy relationships with our thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And I believe, like I was saying previously, that is because a lot of these unhealthy relationships and or addictions are rooted in trauma, as stated by Gabor Mate, who is a renowned therapist, clinician, author, all kinds of stuff. Look him up. You'll learn way more than I could ever even start blabbing out of my mouth about him. And the ranch. The ranch is up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. I'm actually, I've created a Give, Send, Go account givesendgo.com forward slash TLGMMA and that is where I'm looking to raise funds for this project, for this mission to raise funds and build cabins cookhouse gardens and healing amphitheater to be able to live with nature connect with nature to connect with each other and have some group time to do some group work, have some individual time to do some individual work, and have some alone time to do some alone work. Learning to connect with nature, learning to build a relationship with our own intuition, our own soul, build a relationship with our feelings, our thoughts, our emotions, learning how to create therapeutic reframes for some challenging relationships that we've been through so I feel if I'm going to break down TLG MMA recovery a little bit starting with the T that if we tell the truth about our most challenging experiences and how that made us feel that we can find and or create Narratives that are in line with our current dreams and goals. It's not going to be easy work. Trust me. I know. I have been through a lot of hell. And I realized through a lot of deep work that hell is really just a place in your mind. And if you're not careful, you can and will get stuck there unconsciously so if you want to consciously wake up and are ready to do the work this might be something for you if you're not sure what your current dreams and goals are you know we can talk about that there's a process through paul checks check institute 
got some questions you can answer, sort of build a relationship with yourself and what is interesting to you. Um, let's go to the L in TLGMMA, love. I believe we've had, and like I explained from that book, Addiction and Grace, Love and Spirituality, I believe that we've all had challenging experiences with love if we're having a challenging experience with unhealthy relationships. So if we can learn to find something that we love, anything. For me, it ended up being mixed martial arts. I fell in love with mixed martial arts. Um, and if we're not ready to do mixed martial arts, maybe we need to take it back, right? Maybe we can start with something really simple. We can get a plant, a pet, a person, or even yourself. you got to find something to love. Because again, that hell, that darkness, that negative talk, that negative sort of loop that goes around. If we insert love anywhere in our life, then that negative energy has a really hard time winning. Love and connection is so much more powerful than the darkness. And that's why it works so hard to keep us down. The darkness has to work so hard. But all it takes is a little bit of love for us to light up, right? And uh, yeah, if we can focus on loving anything, then eventually we can focus on loving everything, which does take some time. And you got to be patient. Um, patient acceptance. That's something I learned from Timber Hawkeye's book, Buddhist Boot Camp. And so yes, lots of resources, lots of books you hear me talking about. I'm not just coming up with this stuff all on my own. I'm a licensed holistic nutrition and lifestyle practitioner under the Czech Institute. I've had my own journey, my own challenges. I've studied plenty of books and or other things that have led and or connect to this TLG MMA. And we'll get to G now for growth. I believe that we can grow into anything. Ask yourself. What do you truly want to grow into? And if you don't know, that is fine. You don't have to know. But you can also think about what do you want to grow away from? If you feel like you're in a dark spot, in a dark place, or you're you know addicted or unhealthily attached to some things or some people or some places, well, what do you want to grow away from? And or who do you want to grow away from? Maybe that's a place to start. If you, don't, if you don't know where you want to go, any road can get you there. So you might as well start with the road of moving away from the things that you don't want in your life. Mindfulness. What daily, weekly, monthly, or annual rituals do you have for practicing mindfulness? And from a simple perspective, classic mindfulness is just learning to be aware of your breath and your feelings. So meditation can be a way to practice mindfulness. Movement can be a way to practice mindfulness. There are can be many ways. For me, I like meditation with movement, whether that be Tai Chi style movement as learned from Czech Institute called Working In. I also like hard movement, 
you know, working out. You know, that's another way to practice mindfulness. You got to be aware of your body and your breath when you're working out hard. Otherwise, you might get hurt, right? So, mindfulness practices don't have to look like this, like we're sitting still in meditation with our eyes closed. It can look like this if you are a deeply experienced meditation practitioner, maybe. But for me, sometimes I meditation with my eyes open. Sometimes I meditation with my eyes closed. Sometimes with music. Sometimes with movement. So we'll learn to meditate mindfully many different ways. Rather, we'll learn to do mindfulness practice many different ways in the ranch, on the ranch. And movement. How do you master your physical body? What kind of rituals or practices? know i believe movement can be a spiritual practice like i said i said that did i already say that about the martial arts or was that before we were recording yeah see man i keep <laughs> oh man now we're gonna lock the door and then when we hit record we'll let you in well this thing was in front of my face when i was talking we were doing the sound check so i'm like my brain's like farting right now like did i talk about that when we were recording or not but anyway i was saying i use Mixed martial arts as a spiritual practice because martial arts have been practiced for an eternity. And so anytime I'm practicing a strike or a punch or grappling, I'm choosing to be connected and connecting with all the people that ever did that on the planet. That part you did talk about. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Oh, so now you're confused too. See what happens? You're you're on that same list. <laughs> but anyway, that's one way that I use my physical body to master movement. So it could be chopping wood on the ranch, right? It could be shadow box on the ranch, teaching people how to shadow box and do punch and kick and knee and um, and you know, knowing what I know, movement or dancing even is a way to process and integrate trauma somatically through feeling. So we can shadow box, we can dance. We're going to use movement on the mountain to help ourselves heal and recover and tap back into that healthy relationship with our thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Last one, being an artist. Where do you allow yourself to create freely? Freely with no boundaries or expectations. All right? Just drawing whatever comes to your soul, whatever comes to your being. Whether it be drawing or digging in the dirt or building a garden, who knows what. Where do you allow yourself to sort of create freely with no boundaries? Could be painting. Obviously, drawing and painting, very similar. Um... Yeah, and at the end of the day, I'm not a doctor. However, like I said, I'm a licensed holistic nutrition lifestyle practitioner, which based on my license allows me to suggest anything that's natural. And it's my job to really teach you to become your own best coach. My goal with TLG MA Recovery is to not only teach people how to recover, but to also teach other people to become coaches and help others recover. 
I believe that's a huge part of the recovery process. It's even part of the 12-step process in the sort of classic uh, 12-step programs, you know. First step is acknowledging that you need help, acknowledging that you might have a challenging, you know, relationship with some things, right? Then actually asking for help and taking action and doing that process. So, you know, I'm not going to force anybody to get to get their recovery on, but if you're ready and you're willing and you're able and you want to get your recovery on, well, then I'm going to be building a place for you and if you want to donate and support this mission I create a give send go account give send go.com slash TLGMMA where you can donate I'm looking to raise $50,000 and any amount of money is appreciated I've got one donation so far and if I can get one donation, I know I can get more, and it's pretty motivating because I haven't done a lot of promotion for it. I just shared it on social media. I just talked about it, you know, today and uh, on another podcast. So if you can't be the person that can donate, maybe you know somebody else that can. I know there's a lot of money out there in the world, and if you want to help be a part of a good mission and create more good people on this earth I believe we need more wise elders I believe we need more love we need more connection and if we can and I can yeah it'll be we because I can't do it by myself I'm asking for you guys help you know um, I'm, I'm just honestly I'm not used to asking for help that's something I realize right now like that I feel weird like just even creating that was a challenge for me Creating that website, sharing it, talking about it, it's really challenging for me to be honest. Um, I guess because I have my own issues and my own challenges with you know with healthy relationships, right? Learning to be able to just ask somebody for help. You know, growing up, I wasn't always receiving of the help that I asked for. People around me was you know, a little bit stressful. Um, I love my mom. She's like my hero. She raised three kids on her own, did an amazing job. My dad was in prison most of my life and uh you know i i built a relationship with him once he got out but but yeah i had my own challenging relationships like i said so it's hard for me to ask for help because i'm not used to people being there to help me there are many times where i was having be on my own having to figure things out on my own so i'm asking for help can't build this recovery ranch without you can't do anything all alone right at the end of the day even if I didn't get the money donated or raised, you know, some way, all these books and resources are all the things that have really allowed me to help myself heal, right? But at the same time, you have to be willing and able to become your own best coach, to become your own best leader, to become your own best mother, own father, whatever it was that you felt like you might have been lacking growing up or going through these painful experiences that led you down a path of unhealthy relationships. So... Just to share some of those resources, I already shared Addiction and Grace, Love and Spirituality and the Healing of Addictions. Um, I guess before I share all these resources, JT, do you have any questions or anything coming up inside of you based on the things I was just talking about? You don't have to, but I just didn't want to keep ranting 
if you had anything you wanted to share or say. Um, no, nothing comes to mind. Cool. If it does, feel free to cut me off because as much as I love all the information, doing the academic stuff isn't my favorite thing. You know, one thing I realized, again, all these books, it's coming back to love, man. It's coming back to love. So that's why I realized my version of holistic recovery and what quote-unquote addiction is, is anything that's causing you to move away from unhealthy relationships. And as Paul Check might say, if you set some time aside to come up to the recovery ranch, um, I'm planning on having it to be a situation where the healing ceremonies and or rituals, whatever you want to call it, the healing seasons... I shouldn't say whatever. It's going to be the healing seasons. They're going to happen during the spring and during the summer. During those you know hours of nice warmth and daylight and all that good stuff and good weather. Of course, you know it's the mountains. So you might get a little rain. We'll deal with Mother Nature, build that relationship. But then during the fall and the winter, I'm planning to, at least initially, plan to have it be closed to be able to work on it, do construction, um, do some hunting, do some other things on the land that need to be done to make it sustainable so it's self-sustainable to make sure that everything is, you know, repairs need to be get taken care of, whatever it is, so that way the next spring, the next season can come around. People can come up, come up there and stay um, for weeks or even months at a time. Whatever is needed for people to do the work that they feel they need to do to move back towards and deal with healthy uh healthy relationships or should I say relationships in a healthy perspective so some of these books number one nonviolent communication the basics as I know and use them by Wayland Myers PhD and I'm not going to go through all these books as far as everything I've learned from them but I'm going to share a little tidbit so a little tidbit here you know I think a lot of us I've had challenging relationships deal with a lot of anger. We want to get violent. So if we can learn to communicate nonviolently, right? And the, the basic premise from this for me that I want to share with you is blaming people for things, blaming people for your emotions, and not communicating in a healthy way. But a healthy way to communicate nonviolently based on this book would be to... Basically, in this book, it explains something makes us want to communicate. We get triggered, right? Whether in my, okay, perfect example. Uh, I got interrupted, right? I heard a noise. The doorbell rang. My alarm clock went off. Oh, shit. I think I actually reacted and communicated violently when my alarm clock went off. Because I wasn't, that was, that really threw me off. Wasn't or whatever, the the time where the the doorbell went off, I communicated nonviolently. I was like, "Oh, the doorbell went off. That's the trigger." JT, I need to communicate with JT based on the doorbell going off. So JT, the doorbell went off. We need to take a break. And so, I guess to be more thorough with that nonviolent communication, it would be to explain the trigger, explain my ask and my want of the other person and how they can help me in that situation, right? Um, 
so yeah, just a little bit basics right there of how to communicate nonviolently. You know, if you want something from somebody, let's say I was thirsty, instead of saying, give me some water, JT, I might say, JT, my mouth feels dry. I'm very thirsty. Would it be okay if I had some of your water? And then you'd have an option to be able to decide if you wanted to help me and were able to help me and give me that water. So that way I'm not blaming you for me, you know, having the water or not. Give me that water. If you don't give me that water, I'm going to die or whatever, right? Like, uh, that's a little violent, right? Like, right now, you're even laughing me saying that, right? So that's, again, but that's how people communicate. If you don't give me that water, I'm going to die. I'm fucking, I'm so, I'm, you know, I'm starving or whatever. It's like, no, you're not really, bro. Relax. Like, so anyway, just a little tidbit. Awesome book. So if you're having challenging relationships or, you know, yeah, if you if you have relationships that are not going communication that are not going the way you want, violent and just yelling and screaming and cussing, great book for you. No problem. Are you multitasking over here, JT? Yeah. All right, do your thing. All right, one of the next books we'll talk about the connection process. Connection process by Teal Swan, a spiritual technique to master the art of relationships. One of the uh, the techniques I like in here that I'd share is learning how to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. So she likes to use a octopus meditation and pretend like the head of the octopus is the universe and all the tentacles going out are sort of, uh, you know, other beings and other creatures. And we're just one of those tentacles. So if we want... We can mentally slide up into the universe and slide back down into other tentacles and embody other people and try to find a perspective the other person rather than sitting in our own perspective. So it's super important to learn to put ourselves in other people's shoes. And I feel like this book can help people with that. I've actually... Used this with a client and recommended the book to a client. Another book by Teal Swan, The Completion Process. I've read this book. I've used it a little bit on myself and also helped, it's helped me work with one of my clients who's got some challenging uh, relationships as well. And The Completion Process is the process, as it says here, the practice of putting yourself back together. And from her perspective and Teal Swan's teaching, if you're familiar with her, she talks about fragmentation a lot. And we get fragmented a lot, especially when we get traumatized. We basically create multiple disperson multiple dis multiple personality disorder on some degree. Right, that's the that's the general. I shouldn't say that's her general premise, but that's my general consensus of what she says about fragmentation. She calls fragmentation the worldwide disease. So, the completion process is her process that helps people work through their wounds to revisit wounds. 
and to revisit those wounds and also have a safe place in our mind, right? Establishing like a half a happy place, a safe environment in our psyche while we're meditating and then maybe revisiting that trauma and working on revisiting that trauma in ways that are comfortable with the individual and not pushing past their comfort zone, their their current threshold with revisiting that trauma. Then once you know, you've met that threshold, you can go back to your happy place, go back into your body, get back into being mindful, get back into the room, get back into the, you know, the present world, present time. So just one of many techniques and things that are guiding me to help guide you to become your best coach, best therapist, best whatever you want to call it. I'll just hand these to JT when I'm done. Ayurveda. The Science of Self-Healing by Dr. Vasant Laud. I may or may not be pronouncing all these names correctly, so feel free to correct me in the comments somewhere or let me know on social media. Um, anyway, this is... If you're not familiar, you should be. Ayurveda is the most holistic and original medicine across the globe, as far as I know. And almost everything, even in the Western medical system, whether they like it or not, has actually been rooted in some of the Ayurvedic um, techniques. So, is what it is. And why this book for me? Because I'm a holistic practitioner, like I said. So, this has a lot of stuff that's natural. Everything from learning about individual constitution. We're actually born with an individual constitution. Did you know that, JT? I did not. Yeah. And there's a lot of different variables and all that stuff. And But yeah, whether we are naturally hot or naturally cool is part of our individual constitution. And there is a, a chart in here that uh, you can fill out and find out what your constitution is. What is that? What is an individual constitution? What is the individual constitution? Like I was saying, it's just our natural way of being that we were brought into this world with. Whether you're naturally a hot person, fiery energy, mm -hmm. yang energy, or you're naturally cool, naturally yin. Right? So that would be just two basic sort of philosophies um, I, was, I was like did I just flip right to the page I'm like damn the universe is weird but no I didn't flip right to it um, maybe I should have actually marked that because now you got me trying to explain it more but basically here it is perfect thank you Jesus and when I say Jesus, I mean Jesus Tyson. And I know it sounds funny just saying that, but I want to teach you why I say that. Because Jesus is just a mirror, right? Aren't we all capable of being Jesus? Or am I really going to thank some random ass dude that's not even here right now flipping these pages? All right? Yeah. I think that was my unhealthy conditioning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. 
at the end of the day, we're all living out some sort of myth, and these are myths. We all need something greater to believe in than just ourselves, than just human. So sometimes I also like to keep myself connected and re-spin my auto responses, right? Why do I say thank you, Jesus? So then I just add Tyson to remember that I also am part of that. Like I'm the one flipping the pages. Anyway, um, the human constitution. Naturally, there's three aspects of the constitution Whether from the, the Ayurvedic perspective. It is... Veda, Pitta, and Kapha. And Veda is air, Pitta is fire, and Kapha is water. And that's just the general, right? That's just super general because it's not actually that way. I'm pretty sure Veda is actually air and water. Pitta is actually fire and earth. And Kapha is actually water and earth. If I'm looking at these symbols correctly. Don't quote me on that. I might be wrong. Feel free to correct me. But the point is, if you take this human constitution sort of assessment, you can then learn what you are sort of naturally born with and what would benefit you and help balance you out in your life, right? So if I'm a... Me personally, I'm a Pitta Veda, right? I'm fire and air. So things that help balance me out and are, are things that are kapha, that are cool and earth, right? That's why I like the garden. That's why I like cold, you know, cold stuff or drinking water or whatever. Um, you know what? I'm just going to go through this right now just for fun. So this is a human constitution chart. And so there's this, there's three, there's three different columns, Veda, Pitta, Kapha, right? And the aspect of the constitution is a bunch of different things down this side over here, right? So when you look at one of these constitution aspects, right here is the frame, frame of your body. Then you'd, you'd slide over and you'd look at which of these matches up with yours, whether it's the Veda column, the Pitta column, or the Kapha column, right? So frame of body is your, fr I'm sorry, oh yeah, frame, frame of body. Frame, is it thin, moderate, or thick? Alright? I'm, I'm kind of thick, I'm kind of moderate. I, I wouldn't say super thick for me, so maybe I'm moderate. I could be moderate to thick. And even if I have some Kapha answers, the majority of my answers are Pitta and Veda. And one might even argue that you can change over time and you might want to reassess these things. But again, this is not over time. This is the constitution you're born with. Um, so scratch that change over time thing. Based on this book, this is the constitution you're born with. Um, so body weight. Is it low, moderate, overweight? Skin. Is it dry, rough, cool, brown, black? Or is it soft, oily, warm, fair, reddish, yellow? Or is it thick, oily, cool, pale, white? So, I'm not going to keep going. Um, but that's the point. 
there are different aspects that we can start to build a relationship with based on the Ayurvedic medicine and understand what our our original constitution is, right? And so one way that we can get thrown out of balance is doing too much of the thing that we are of. So if I'm a, we'll just say Pitta, because I'm Pitta Veda, right? The majority of my ancestors were Pitta, which are fire energy. So we'll just keep it real simple. If I'm naturally fire energy, but I constantly am doing things that make me hot, it's going to mess me up. It might mess me up really bad. So I've got to really make sure I balance that stuff out. So I like to be out in the sun because I'm fire energy, right? It makes me feel good. But too much of it burns me out, fucks me up. So I'm always trying to do things that are cooling to balance it out. <clears throat> Eating cooling foods and drinking cooling liquids versus the opposite. If I was something, if I was to drink coffee and eat sugar, I would be heating up myself and making myself way hotter and just throwing myself out of balance really bad. And I'd probably get way burnt out and way tired during the day and have to calm down. And That's another reason I realized I need to stop drinking things like caffeine because it just doesn't match my constitution or whatever, right? So making sure we balance things out. And on the flip side, if I was naturally really cool all the time and I didn't spend enough time in the sun doing that, then you might get out of balance as well. All right, moving on. The body bears the burden. The body bears the burden. Trauma, dissociation, and disease. This by Robert C. Scare, MD. This puts so much into perspective for me in regards to dissociation as it says here, trauma, dissociation, and disease, but the specific connection for me and what this book really helped me with was the connection between dissociation and whiplash being a combination that can be very, very hard to manage. So if your trauma history or trauma past involves dissociation, dissociation, you can look it up, but classically has experiences of sort of out-of-body experiences. Maybe like feel like you may be looking down on yourself. And uh, I had some experience like that in my childhood. So that's what dissociation is. Whiplash. Whiplash can be head trauma whiplash from combat, from fighting. It can also be from car accidents. In this book, it talks about really small getting rear-ended, right? And just getting rear-ended, really small, can whiplash. And you can get this book and read it if you want to know. But this book's really clinical, so be careful with this one. Um, but good for coaches and clinicians, absolutely. I will say that I guess I've got a book coming up, Zen Shiatsu Massage, that helps help me massage and relax all my muscles and my nerves from the whiplash, etc., etc. This is a very powerful book. Neurogenesis Diet and Lifestyle. Upgrade Your Brain, Upgrade Your Life by Brant Courtright, PhD. This book explains and breaks down the notion that we cannot generate new brain cells. So neurogenesis is the creation of new neurons. 
And I feel like there was an old wives' tale that we're only born with so many brain cells and we're going to lose them all at some point and then we die. Or at least that's the conditioning that I was raised on. And if you were too, then I see you. And new conditioning that I'm living on and moving forward with is that we can generate new brain cells through neurogenesis. We can live a holistic neurogenesis diet and lifestyle. Not all of us can afford to go down to Mexico or wherever and get shot up with stem cells to get you know, that process going. So there are holistic natural ways, things like hot cold therapy, things like cannabis, things like psilocybin. There are other natural ways that are less expensive to increase neurogenesis and thanks to neuroplasticity we can even change our minds and create new neural pathways that are healthier healthier conditioning neuropsychological and neurophysiological conditioning extreme ownership how US Navy SEALs lead and win by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin True story, I haven't actually read this book, and I need to read this book. I have books on my shelf that I haven't read, and at some point in my life, they just come to me, and I know I need to read them. And I feel like this is one of those books in regards to TLG MMA recovery that I might just need to read as the last addition, really, to the project. Because I feel like I've got the technique down as far as helping people heal and understanding addiction and or unhealthy relationships and breaking free from that. But like I said, a part of my mission is to help teach other people how to lead other people's to the road to recovery. So one of the reasons I believe I haven't read this yet is because I was fortunate enough to spend some time around Jocko personally and... He already impacted me in a in a weird way. And after paying attention to all his stuff on the Jocko podcast, I have understood that mentality of leadership and discipline that he teaches is something I learned from my wrestling coach in high school and something that, you know, again, being around Jocko, just watching him, you know, was a very simple leader who was disciplined. And the time that I was around Jocko was helping Jeremy Stevens. I was helping Jeremy Stevens for a weight cut, one of his camps. And Jocko was there in the same camp. And we were all staying in the same room one night. And I honestly didn't know who this guy was. I had no idea who he was. He wasn't, this was before this book came out. I'm pretty sure it was before the book came out. And... He might have literally been writing that book during that time. He has a little computer in his backpack, and seeing a giant gorilla with a little computer is the <laughs> funniest looking thing I've ever seen, man. Like, the littlest laptop with, the, like, with this giant man. Anyway, we're, all, we're in the same room, and my young ego was competing with him, but he wasn't competing with me. And I remember we were all in a room. Jeremy had his room, got his bed and stuff. And there wasn't enough beds for everybody. So uh, Jocko's got his, literally got his backpack, 
his sleeping pad, and he's good to go. He's just good to go wherever he's at. And I had nothing, but I'm like, if he can do it, I can. I'm like, I'm good. I don't even need a sleeping pad. Who's this guy needs a sleeping pad? I'm sleeping on the ground, no sleeping pad. So I end up sleep. We both end up sleeping on the ground, and of course. You know, I think I'm tougher than him because I slept with no sleeping pad. But, of course, I, I woke up tossing and turning and not feeling good. I had to keep my game face on in the morning. You know, I'm fine. I'm fine. But it was a funny conversation that I had with Jocko around chewing tobacco. Because we were in a state during a time where cannabis wasn't so friendly across the U.S. And, I, you know, I didn't... I was one for just going and experiencing life, you know. Like, learning what I know now, life's about feeling. And so I wasn't too concerned about breaking the law just to have some cannabis uh, wherever I was at. So I was traveling there. I didn't bring any cannabis. I was fine without it. At least I thought I was fine without it, right? And, uh, but I would, every now and then I would chew because I grew up chewing tobacco and baseball a little bit. And if I wanted to catch a buzz, you know, grab some chew, right? I knew how to get a little high if I didn't have any weed. So, I decided one day, I'm like, I'm going to go walk to the gas station and get some chewing tobacco. And Jocko's like, just just doing what he does, you know. He didn't, like, communicate violently, try to tell me what to do. He just goes, oh, why do you need that? And uh, it was just the way he, it was just this, it was an interesting way that he asked, you know. He was like, oh, why do you need the chewing tobacco? You know, he didn't blame or, you know, make any, like I said, violent assumptions. Just why I need that? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just want to go do it, I guess. And then I got super defensive. I think it was like my unhealthy brain. I mean, granted, I had dated girls that were like super negative towards me smoking weed and whatever, but that's another story, another podcast. But uh, I was like, well, usually I have some weed or something. I smoke that, but I don't really have any weed, so I'm just going to get some tobacco. And then he's like, I don't know what he's, maybe, I don't remember the conversation exactly, so don't quote me on this. But he definitely asked me, oh, why do you need that? You know, I remember that. But then we went back and forth a little bit. I think I was being defensive, like, oh, I'm not addicted. I don't need it. I just, I'm choosing to do it, you know? like. And it was just funny, because I think I explained myself by, by saying, well, I wouldn't go get the tobacco if I had the weed. But because I don't have the weed, I feel like going to get the tobacco. And it was just, I don't know, just... And he just kind of laughed. He just laughed. And as I walked out to go get my tobacco, you know. So he just laughed at my my defensive response and my explanation and my, you know, my justifying why I needed what I needed. And at the end of the day, in that book, Addiction and Grace, it talks about that. That the addiction attachment, that unhealthy attachment brain or mind, it justifies it justifies why we need to do more. And it also remembers other unhealthy attachments. So I didn't have the cannabis around. I remember that chewing tobacco though. I remember the other unhealthy attachment that allows me to move away from love because tobacco doesn't help you love yourself and be healthy. There's fiberglass and chewing tobacco. There's all kinds of chemicals like old school beech nut, like the you know big chaw leaves. Those are healthier. There's some good probably organic chewing tobacco, but I was chewing freaking... Whatever I was chewing, man. The whole ain't the point. It just wasn't good for me. So that was my funny experience with Jocko. I probably need to read this book just to touch up on 
all his techniques, you know, official leadership techniques. But at the end of the day, it's really simple. When you lead real leaders, you know, not fake leaders who just manage and try to tell people what to do. Real leadership, you do what you're asking other people to do. It's that simple. And I remember with MMA coaching and any type of hard workout I ever put anybody else through, I'd always would do it with them the first time that that you know exercise or whatever was presented, or even just demonstrating exercises for people. You know what I mean? Like so, leadership's important. I believe that's going to be a huge part of the TLG MMA recovery, um, and like leadership. You know, again, learning to become a leader, you have to follow. And it's not about following unhealthy leaders. It's about following healthy leaders. So even if you want to get on a road to recovery and you're not interested in doing anything that I'm talking about, maybe you find you know somebody like Jocko to follow and you find your own path that keeps you moving towards love and connection. And uh, yeah. Another book, The Truth. An Uncomfortable Book About Relationships by Neil Strauss. One of the most, I guess, first, who's Neil Strauss? He's the author of The the Game, which apparently is all about dating and learning the psychology around dating. Have you ever heard of The Game, JT? You mean like like talking game or like this game in general? Well, well, that's, I think that's the same, I think that's why he named this book that. Because he wrote a book figuring all that stuff out and how to win people over. I never read that book, but I read this book. And (laughs) on the back right here, it says, The guy who wrote the game and lived the game searches for love and learns that it's way, way harder and funnier. That's uh, it says Joel Stein time, um, and so. Oh wow! On on the back it also says here I am not the hero in this story I am the villain, so this is a yeah this is a story now that I think about it knowing what I know now, this is a story about a man's subconscious, this is a story about a man integrating his subconscious and his challenges with love, um, by his own. By his own words, he's a sex addict working through those type of addictions. And I resonated with that because I too had unhealthy relationship with sex for a long time. And this book helped me build a healthy relationship with sex. And not that that's what the book's about, but just it helped put things in perspective for me. Just like it says about learning that love is way, way harder and funnier <laughs> um, than just a game. It's not just a game. So this also talking about enmeshment. Enmeshment is unhealthy parents sometimes project their the partner energy onto their children, right? So maybe a single mother projects the energy onto their children that they expect them to act like their father or to act like a husband or act like a boyfriend or whatever it might be. So sometimes this process of enmeshment can really mess up the psyche of an individual and 
it can make it really hard for us to learn to build a relationship with our own self and our own feelings and our own intuition. If we're constantly learn, you know, trick conditioned or triggered to react to everybody else. Um, so that's what I learned from this book, Truth, an uncomfortable book about relationships. Next book, Zen Shiatsu, How to Harmonize Yin and Yang, or Yin and Yang, whatever you say, for better health. Using touch to massage ourselves and release the tension that can get locked up in our body from trauma. And the two basic techniques that I learned from this book are learning to sedate tissue and to tonify tissue. So there's two different types of tissue that will need these techniques. There's Kayo and Jitsu. The Kayo, this is information from this book, the Kayo tissue is like an indention or can be kind of hard or maybe even numb. And this type of tissue needs to be tonified and to be moved or heated up or given friction. And the other type of tissue is jitsu. And that type of tissue might be inflamed and hot and sensitive to the touch, might be a big old trigger point. That needs sedation or pressure to balance that out. And the Zen application is learning to breathe through your hara, H-A-R-A, hara, hara, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, but basically breathing through your belly and your diaphragm while applying this massage to yourself or another person. Learning to breathe into your heart center of love, massage with love. And this book explained to me why my best massage therapist was one of my old training partners who pivoted to massage therapy because he really cared about me. He wasn't just there for the money. He wasn't thinking about his next client. He wasn't, you know, worried about, I guess, at the end of the, I guess at the end of the time, he had some drama of his own. We talked about a lot of stuff, but uh, the whole point is we were mutually talking about it together and he wasn't just projecting his shit onto me or trying to hold it in. You know, he was actually massaging me and we were talking and we were connected like this talks about. Um, and in this book, it teaches self-massage techniques. So I would teach folks how to use their own touch, their own massage to help calm that nervous system down. We get tight, we get wound up. Sometimes we need to release those tissues. Again, the vagus nerve, I shouldn't say again, I don't know if I talked about it yet, but the vagus nerve, a deep nerve in our body, right down the center of our being, goes around our belly button, can make our guts and just everything really tight. So learning how to massage ourselves with Zen will allow ourselves to heal. The Western philosophy of massage, trying to beat tissue into submission and force things to relax, not good as it explains in this book. And last but not least, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy by Paul Check. 
this book is prerequisite for all check institute practitioners and the level one holistic lifestyle nutrition training, which also has the last four doctors you'll ever need in here as well in the second edition book that is. On the front here, it says your personalized four-step guide to looking and feeling great from the inside and out. And the four steps, the four doctors are Dr. Happy, number one, learning what is happy making for you. If you don't know how to make yourself happy, nobody else will be able to. So you've got to learn how to make yourself happy and to find happy making activities and rituals in your life to make life worth living and enjoyable. Dr. Nutrition, I believe, is second on the list, even though it's not necessarily in order. But Dr. Happy is number one. Got to be happy. Dr. Nutrition, I believe, is number two because our nutrition is so important and impacts our nervous system, our emotions, our hormones, everything. Energy levels, you name it. We are what we eat. And we actually are what we eat ate, if that makes any sense. Dr. Movement. Making sure we're using movement in accordance with our dreams and our goals. Getting stronger and fitter and healthier. So that way life becomes as least challenging as it can be. Right? Life's always going to be challenging. But the more we master our physical bodies and get strong and get able with the things that we want to do, then the less challenges we run into and the better we can deal with the traumatic experiences when, when they do come. Quiet, last doctor, Dr. Quiet, making sure you're getting enough rest and introspection and doing the recovery work. So maybe you spent a lot of time not taking care of Dr. Quiet. Maybe that's one reason that you might enjoy TLG MMA Recovery Ranch because there will be a lot of time to just be quiet, be still, Connect with yourself, connect with your soul, and learn to become your own best coach, your own best recovery therapist, <clears throat> and have a community to do that. So with that said, thank you for listening if you're still listening, and thank you for keeping up the good fight if you're on the road to recovery and breaking free from unhealthy relationships and learning to build healthy relationship with your thoughts feelings and emotions I will close with this I experienced the Tony Robbins Unleash the Power event and it was important it was a valuable lesson I learned a lot of skills tools and tactics but after four days of intense work I can tell you that the faster and more intense of a shift you make in the shorter period of time, the faster that you might fall back into unhealthy patterns. The slower, the more holistic you make those changes, the more patient you are as you change and grow and heal and move away from unhealthy relationships or addictions. The slower you make those changes, I feel it makes it much, much harder to return back to that path because you did so much hard work over such a long period of time. Now, 
There is no wrong way to recover. If you go to Tony Robbins and you recover and you heal that way, that's amazing. And if you're interested in a holistic, slower way, that's amazing as well. To me, there is no wrong path to the recovery. There is just committing the rest of your life to it. And for me, that's what I've committed my life to doing. All jokes aside, the definition of a cult is a bunch of people doing the same thing. If you look at the word culture, it starts with cult. So any type of culture you're a part of, you're kind of part of a cult. And cults have a negative connotation. But I think it's okay to understand there's a positive side. And we need a positive cult. A positive cult for recovery so we can learn to set everybody's minds free and everybody can learn to be a little bit happier and a little bit healthier, move towards love, towards connection, towards healing, growing, and making the world a better place. Peace, love, happy healing, y'all. What's up? It's Tyson. I just want to share real quick how you can support this podcast and help us build it and keep it rolling. JT is doing all the editing, and this is not easy work. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes some skills. This is actually the third time I've tried to get this podcast going. So just to share with you, I tried doing this on my own. It's not easy work. So I tried learning on my own, realized it's not my forte, and partnering up with JT now and I want to help him be able to keep doing this so to help that happen you can become a monthly supporter and you can go to the link in the description and you can support there are three ways you can support 99 cents a month 4.99 a month or 9.99 a month any support is greatly appreciated and that's going to go to contributing to jt being able to edit this podcast make the sound quality better make video quality better for YouTube and to make your listening experience better overall. So without him and without your support, this podcast is not possible. If you can't support financially, just share, listen, and tell a friend. And any way that you can support is much appreciated, even if you can't support financially.